well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you have joined the program today. Coming up in a matter moment, we're going to talk with Jerry Wayne. You might remember uh, that name. It was... Gosh, I mean, it seems like it was like five years ago, but it really wasn't. It was during the 2020 election cycle. Joe Biden, uh, in the uh, thick of the Democratic primary, uh, going to Detroit, Michigan, and uh, showing up at a, uh, a factory where he was talking with union workers. Jerry actually wanted to talk with Joe Biden about the Second Amendment and why Joe Biden wants to uh, ban AR-15s, why Joe Biden wants to uh, turn our right basically into a privilege. You might remember uh, Joe Biden got a little upset with uh, Jerry Wayne's uh, accusations, trying to defend his position on the Second Amendment, although now his own campaign website describes uh, his position as uh, the Second Amendment is, quote, limited. Mm-hmm. Didn't really want to talk about what that's limited to, but uh, a uh, event, Sportsmen and Sportswomen for Biden, that that uh, AstroTurf group just launched, uh, and they talk about how Biden will defend the Second Amendment right of hunting and sporting. I don't even mention self-defense. Well, Biden was back in Detroit on Wednesday for a, uh, I was going to say a campaign rally, but it really wasn't a rally. There were like eight people there, you know. Kind of typical for a Biden event. Uh, there were some pro-Trump uh, counter-ralliers, I guess, or, or protesters or Trump supporters who were uh, outside of the Biden event. Jerry Wayne was one of them. Uh, and he joins us on the program right now to talk about how Biden's anti-gun message is resonating among rank-and-file union members in the Motor City. Take a look and a listen. Hey, Jerry, thanks so much for coming on the program, sir. It's good talking with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, so you uh, did? Did you get any FaceTime with Joe Biden yesterday, or uh, <laughs> how far away were you from the uh, Democratic uh, candidate? Um, probably about eighty to a hundred yards. I never really got that close. Um, everything was closed off. They closed everything off to the public while he was speaking. That uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, on the one hand, I guess that doesn't surprise me. They're 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 clearly not interested in. Uh, Trying to draw in large crowds, I'm, I'm guessing because they know that they're not going to get them. Uh, but this has been a very tightly managed and very scripted uh, campaign by by Joe Biden. Unlike you know a few months ago when you did have the opportunity to uh, to talk with Biden about his uh, Second Amendment views, and uh, you know it's interesting. I mean, Biden is clearly uh, going for the union vote. He was there in Michigan yesterday with this "Buy American" message, which you know I'm sure you support. I support. I I, I don't support. Uh, I'd love to see American businesses remain strong, but I'm curious how his gun control message is being received by you and a lot of your fellow union members. Yeah, um, well, a lot of us are gun enthusiasts. Well, at least we, we like to bear arms, you know, and he wants to come in here and get our union vote, but yet we we want to have our constitutional rights. So he wants to take away our constitutional rights. At the same time, he wants the unions to back him when we are just regular American people. That's just it. Like, we're not just some cookie-cutter union. Oh, yeah, we're going to vote blue no matter who all the time. We're Americans first, and we're a union guy second, and he needs to understand that. Is this a, uh, is this a topic of conversation? Does this come up uh, among your coworkers as you guys talk politics? And is the Second Amendment a, a big issue? Uh, you may be one of the biggest issues uh, among, you know, the, the, the group of folks that you work with. 
Well, the biggest issue is, um, well, uh, we, we don't really talk that much politics. When I like, think of it, we're, we're union guys there, but we're, we're professionals and we're there to get the job done. So typically when you talk politics, a lot of it can get hostile very quickly. So a lot of it's hush-hush. It's just between me and this guy and then maybe me and that guy. And there's not, never really a big group setting there. Um, so it's always very covert. Um, but, but yeah, um, everybody is definitely, uh, a lot of people are about, about the whole two way, but, the big the big topic is is about uh, union rights. You know what what where what politician's going to lead us in the best direction for our union? And everybody says, oh, well, Biden. Well, I I bet differ on that. This man wants to raise taxes, and at the same time he wants to do uh he wants to send our jobs overseas. And if you're going to send our jobs overseas, then what's that going to do for the union? And then they want to say, well, well, the Trump administration wants to get rid of the union. Let's just assume that that's true, right? Let's assume that that that's happening here. Why do we, if we're such strong union members, our unions are so strong, our numbers are strong, we really feel that we're going to be dictated by a politician. We are much stronger than that. And we can actually, we, we, we have this, we have this country in a stranglehold if we actually want to, if the men and women actually get together and, and actually unite and use the unions to repent for it. You know, we used to, we used to be the pinnacle of the working class. We used to push for more. We used to benefit the, the, the average blue collar American when it came down to the nit grit stuff. But now these representatives in these, in these unions are now just taking upon themselves to say whatever the hell they damn please. You know, and they're not representing the average union workers. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, so it's interesting. I, I grew up in Oklahoma and my mom actually worked for uh, United Auto Workers uh, in one of their uh, legal services departments. And so I kind of grew up, uh, you know, a, at least a little bit uh, around the the union mentality. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that uh, Republicans are, uh, you know, more in favor of right to work than uh, than than, you know, bolstering unions. But I think that you're right. Particularly when you talk about, you know, private unions, unions uh, like like the United Auto Workers, as opposed to like public sector unions. I think that even among conservatives, you can find uh, a, a difference in support because of a, a difference in what these unions actually do. Um, but I think that, you know, again, when you talk about the power of unions and the power of the union members in this country, you're right. It, it is strong. And I think that it's uh, a stronger association than uh, one candidate or, or even one party, um, which is why I think it's interesting. We, you know, we getting back to the second amendment that these other issues are, are a part of the discussion right now. Um, I think no matter who wins election in November, you know, unions are going to be around. Uh, we're going to have debates about offsourcing and uh, offshoring. And again, I think you're right. I think that there's a, a big concern, uh, about the Biden Harris administration and what they would do, uh, to American jobs. But ultimately, you know, when it comes to our, our rights, whether it's our right to organize or our right to keep and bear arms, I mean, these are rights that, that absolutely can be threatened if the wrong candidate takes office. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's, that's the big reason why I'm actually standing up for this stuff. Usually I'd be just hush-hush and I'd, do, I'd go and I'd vote or whatever and do my little thing. But our constitutional rights are definitely in jeopardy right now. That's why I'm speaking up. That's why I spoke out to Joe Biden there. And um, I think it's important. And, and it's not not only is it important, it's my duty as an American citizen to stand up for the Constitution. I'm not I was never in the military at all. I actually wear this hat for, uh, to uh, uh, in remembrance for my grandfather. He was in World War Two. He passed away this past spring. So that's why I wear this. Um, well, it's just that it, it's our duty as American citizens to uphold this Constitution. You know, we, we own this country, not the politicians here. 
And, and, you know, and let me talk, touch a little bit on, uh, what had happened with the Biden, uh, and, uh, Obama administration, you know, during their eight year run, we were starving. We weren't, we, uh, we had a, in 2008, we had that, that market crash and we weren't able to put food on the table and, and people were losing their houses. But now the Trump administration, he's been here for four years now. We're in the middle of a pandemic, but yet unions across the nation are still working. We are working five, six, seven days a week, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. So could you imagine if this pandemic wasn't around right now, what this economy would look like? And we can't, we can't just turn a blind eye because he, he, he supports red and then the other guy supports blue. We have to actually look at what's actually happening here. And this new technology now with the, with, with social media and these phones where we can tap into this whenever we want. We can now look at these politicians and see what their true agendas really are. We can look at them underneath the microscope, and I think that's really coming into fruition with a lot of these union members and a lot of just blue-collar blue collar workers across the country. We make up this country. We are these politicians that are bidding. We don't need don't need Joe Biden to be a strong union. We have strength within our numbers. What do you make of the fact that, um, as far as I can tell, Jerry, you've actually been the American who has uh, a grilled Biden uh, the toughest when it comes to his Second Amendment record. I mean, you've done a, a far better job of trying to hold Biden's feet to the fire than any uh, member of the press that's been you know, following Biden around on the campaign trail. Would you like to see, and do you think that the press is, uh, is doing a fair job in, in covering the Biden campaign? No, I don't at all. I don't. I, and then, you know what? And that, that just comes up to, to this whole technology thing is that, uh, you can now look around what the media says and get, you can gain your own opinion. The media has become very biased right now. And, uh, that's not, this isn't just, uh, a neutral journalism anymore. They're coming out and they even doubt what the president does or no matter what the presidential candidate and Joe Biden does, it's either positive for one or negative for the other. You know, if they were to say negative positives for each one, that'd be constructive journalism. But we have lost that. And the way to get around that is to go on and do your own due diligence using your phone, your tablet, or laptop, and finding people that are that represent the truth. Find the truth. You know, find some people that are get, getting a lot of content out there and actually and actually do your due diligence to make sure they're telling the truth. It, it, it's your duty as an American to get involved in doing this. But this, the, the days of being a passive American worker are gone. We have to get involved. We the reason why we are in this situation right now where the the government doesn't represent us is our own fault. We are not taking the time to figure out what's actually happening here. How many American citizens can actually name a sitting senator? You know, and, and that's not that's not anybody's fault, right? It, but it is damn sure our responsibility to make sure that we change that. We can sit here and, uh, all day and blame each other all we want. But it takes the individuals to take that first step and actually take on the burden of the responsibility to be an, be an actual free American. I think you said that very, very well. Uh, and you're right. You know, I think we've got folks um, on both sides who, who who want us to just point fingers at each other. And that's where it stops. Right. Team Red blames Team Blue. Team Blue blames Team Red. Uh, and as you say, that allows us all to avoid the responsibility that we have as individual voters and American citizens. Uh, to be engaged and to be informed, which I, I think, uh, again, you've uh, done very, very well uh, during the uh, 2020 election cycle. Um, so let's talk a little bit about yesterday uh, when you were there at the event or outside that event. I know that there were a handful of Biden supporters. There were some Trump supporters there. Did you have a chance to talk with any uh, Biden supporters one on one? Yeah, I did. And um, it, it was a female. She was uh, for the teachers union and um, she was. 
it was, it, she was quite argumentative. And I'm not a very argumentative type of person, like, but the thing is, like, if things escalate, I'll stand my ground. Obviously, that's what I did with Joe Biden. I'm not big with bullies. But, uh, there was, like, quite a few things that we actually agreed on, but she wasn't having that. No matter what, she was there for an argument, no matter what. No matter what I said, like, she was, you're wrong. So that, then, uh, then there's another gentleman with a MAGA hat that came on, came over there, and then they just started arguing. And I just walked away. Cause that, that's not something that's productive. When you speak at somebody, no, neither side is going to gain from that. You know, you need to, no matter what, if you have a disagreement with somebody, if you actually listen to what they have to say, the worst case scenario is you're going to leave that conversation with more knowledge. So don't try not to talk to people and try to just persuade them, but maybe talk to people and learn their perspective. At the very least, you now know thy enemy, you know, and that, that, that that's another, another feather in your cap, you know, for when you go back in your corner. Absolutely. Uh, listen, talking with folks is, is fantastic. Listening uh, to folks is even better because, you know, we I think we are um, at a point now in our society. And again, you talk about social media. It's very easy for us to get our thoughts out, uh, but it's also really easy for us to actually ignore what everybody else is saying. And, you know, to, to have that conversation, you not only have to be willing uh, to talk, but you got to be willing to shut up and actually hear what the other person is saying, too. That's right. And that's part of being an American. You know, it's that you are sacrificing your ability to speak out against something to, so somebody else can. And that's what just shows that, that right there just shows love. It shows I understand that you're hurting or that you want to be heard. And I'm going to take the second out of my day to actually listen to what you have to say, no matter how much I disagree with it. And then it doesn't mean that you have to just because you're quiet it means that you agree with them, but give them the benefit of the doubt and actually listen to what they have to say. They might end up changing your mind. I tell you what, like I listen to people all the time and I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've had my, my opinion changed, not because of they pushed it down my throat, but because I was able to listen to their perspective. You know, that's who we are as human beings. We're grown and we're, we're brought up in a certain way and in different ways all throughout the country. And for you to think that your perspective is the only perspective that is correct is, is, is not a very hubristic to, to do such a thing. So you need to actually listen to other people. When when you did have your conversation with uh, with Joe Biden, do you feel like he was listening to you or was he talking at you? He definitely wasn't listening to me for sure. He was talking at me, and that's what it is. Is like he, he knew the media was around there, and he wasn't ready for a, a question that was, wasn't a softball question. He wasn't he wasn't prepared for it. And if you were going to elect somebody that is not going to be able to handle questions that, like that, are they're not already pay, are prepared for? How do you think he's going to handle when you're doing negotiations with another country? You know, he can't even handle his own citizens or his own supporters of that matter. And if he, he's going to talk down to people that are supposed to, supposed to be lifting him up, that is not a, a leader. He's not a visionary either. I don't see anything that what he's speaking out of how people can actually go out and reach their dreams. And that's what we should be doing now. We have the ability. We have the most technological advancement in, in the history of mankind right now. You can literally go online and listen to any experts in their respective fields right now. You can actually go out and reach your dreams. And if you need help doing it, you can go on LinkedIn and find people to network to help you reach your dreams. Why are we not speaking about this? Why are the leaders of the United States, uh, of the free world, not speaking of this right now? People need to actually go out and conquer their dreams. There you go. Jerry Wayne, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on the program and talking with me today. It is a pleasure to finally get a chance to uh, spend some time one-on-one with you. And uh, again, uh, I appreciate you speaking up. I appreciate you speaking out. Hopefully we can have you back on the show again very soon, sir. Yes, sir. It's my honor. Appreciate it. Appreciate Jerry joining us on the program today. Sorry about the uh, little bit of uh, audio glitches here. It's what happens when one of us is on a phone in a car and the other one's 
uh, in a very small town in central Virginia. <laughs> but I think you got the gist of what uh, Jerry was saying. By the way, you can follow Jerry on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Jerry Wayne AR 14 Yes, I like that. All right, let's get to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, uh, as well as our recidivist report. So we're going to start there. It's a, a story I actually uh, covered at Bearing Arms earlier today, so you can read the entire thing there. I'll just give you a little bit of a, a sneak peek here. Chicago suspect in gun store thefts now accused of murder. Yeah, this is an 18-year-old who was arrested earlier this summer charged with uh, stealing several firearms from a uh, suburban Chicago gun store. He was placed on electronic monitoring, but was uh, told that he could remove that electronic monitoring device in late August. Uh, Just a few days later, Sincere Williams, that's the uh, 18-year-old's name, walked into a uh, Walgreens, allegedly tried to commit an armed robbery, was not successful, then left. A couple of days later, this past Sunday, he goes back to the Walgreens, according to police, walks in, grabs a 32-year-old woman by the neck, Olga Calderon, and then walked her to the front counter, basically put her head down, and stabbed her 10 times before walking out the door. Now, why was Sincere Williams not on electronic monitoring? Well, the Cook County uh, uh, State's Attorney's Office, headed up by Kim Fox, hasn't really said why. The only thing that they've said is that um, that the prosecutors basically uh, agreed to take the device off. But because Williams was a juvenile at the time, they can't release any more details in the case. I don't know about you. I think that's kind of BS. And there is one thing that uh, might be responsible, one reason why Sincere Williams, who, again, was facing pretty serious charges, was allowed to remove that electronic monitor device. The um, Chicago Tribune, I think it was, uh, earlier this year, reported that it had actually run out of electronic monitor devices. This was a WTTW, actually, in Chicago. Sheriff Tom Dart, back in uh, May, About the same time that uh, Williams actually put on electronic monitoring, said, we've run out of these units. And he said, we've got to do something about it. So he said, I'm calling on all stakeholders to develop a process for ensuring that electronic monitoring is being utilized only for defendants who require supervision in the interest of public safety. And uh, two, removing individuals from electronic monitoring after a, quote, period of successful supervision. Is that what happened here? Did prosecutors say, well, you know, look, since here, Williams, he's charged with breaking into a gun store and stealing guns. It's bad, but, you know, it's not a violent crime. Uh, Do they say, well, you know, look, you got put on the electronic monitoring back in May. Haven't had any issues. It's been May, June, July, and now August. It's almost four months. Why can't we just go ahead and remove the device? We don't know, again, because the state isn't saying anything. And the Cook County prosecutor isn't saying anything. But there are questions. The public deserves answers. Olga Calderon's family deserves answers as to why this individual, uh, who, again, was being monitored by the state, until just before he allegedly murdered this woman, was allowed to remove that device in the first place. All right, on to our armed citizen story of the day from Baltimore. Yes, Baltimore, Maryland, where uh, homicides, once again, going to reach more than 300 in the city. 
for the, I believe this is going to be the sixth straight year, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. Uh, but uh, amidst the uh, murders, the gang violence, you can still find cases of self-defense. Um, WBFF in Baltimore reporting that a resident shot and killed an intruder during a home invasion in northeast Baltimore happened about 2 o'clock in the morning. This was uh, earlier this week, Wednesday uh, of this week. Investigators say a 20-year-old man had just broken into the home and he was confronted by somebody who lived there. The resident took out a gun, shot the intruder. Man pronounced dead of the scene. Homicide uh, detectives are investigating, but this would appear to be a, a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense there in Baltimore, Maryland. And finally, today, our good deed of the day. From Fox 35 in uh, Orlando, Florida, a story out of Daytona Beach Shores. This is a, a screen grab from uh, uh, body cam footage. A police officer arriving on the scene to a hit-and-run crash. Uh, one woman is facing charges here, but a teenager is being hailed as a hero. A jeep full of teenagers got into that wreck. One of them actually saved the other driver. Fox 35 reports as officers arrived, there was chaos uh, on the scene. Two cars, one on fire. The driver of that smoked-out car, saved by 18-year-old Jacob McRae, who said, quote, all I remember is screaming for people to help and then going to her window because it started to smoke and it started a fire. The woman was driving alone in her car, according to police, when she veered and made a left turn, driving right into McRae's Jeep. McRae says, I just slammed on the brakes and I prayed and I hoped that we would get out of it. Unfortunately, we just collided. One of McRae's friends was actually thrown from the Jeep. The other car caught fire. And again, that's when Jacob McRae stepped in. He said, I started banging on her window saying, are you okay? Are you up? Are you awake? He actually broke through the window, reached inside. He told officers, I don't know, I didn't even see anybody get pulled out from the front. That's my toe strap. I, I had to break the window. I just watched a girl get pulled out. Police say that uh, the woman thanked McRae, according to witnesses, and then took off in another car with a friend. That woman, Brianna Bruges, is now facing charges. Jacob Murray uh, says he's got no hard feelings. He says, I'm just glad she's okay and safe now. If it was my sister or my mom, I wouldn't know what to do if nobody had done that for them. He said, I'm sore, but I'm thankful that I'm safe. And all of my buddies are safe as well. It's in the right place at the right time. Willing and able to do the right thing. Jacob McRae there in Florida. We thank you for your very good deed. All right, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow talking with Eric Pratt from Gun Owners of America, who is uh, out in the Mountain States, uh, endorsing uh, Gun Owners of America, endorsing Lauren Bobert, who uh, I don't think we've had Lauren on this program. And I know I talked with her the last couple of weeks. I was filling in on, I think it was uh, the David Webb Show on Sirius XM Patriot. So we'll talk about that candidacy and a couple of other big races that uh, Gun Owners of America watching and getting involved in. Uh, until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free. That last one's really important. I mean, all three are important. It is important for you to be well. It is important for you to be safe. It's also very important for you to be free. And we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.